is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his exact twin, minus being born and raised in Kentucky and his heroic military service and being born to a completely other mother, Kent Chungus. left my office, he came off it with a Bible and started talking to me and saying that I was the creator, I was God, and and then he wanted me to read the Bible to him, I said, I can't, it's in Swedish, and I, he started being really, I mean, he thought he was nuts. Oh, hello, Kent. Hello. Hey, Kent. What? What are some things that you should never hit? Infants. Yeah. Um, old ladies. Yeah. Um, what about old men? I'm against it. Me too. I'm not for. I'm not pro. Yeah. Uh, I would say you shouldn't hit um, live electrical cables. That's a bad idea. Um, once again, I'm going to double down on infants. Yeah, I agree with that. Strong, strong stance. Pregnant women. Yeah. What about women in general? But especially if they're pregnant. Yeah, for sure. That brings me to my next question. Are there any exceptions that you would make? Exceptions for what? Like to punch an infant? Exceptions for th- things that you would not hit with the exception of XYZ circumstance or... Are you talking like if somebody had a gun to my head? I'm talking like like I would never I, I would never hit an animal. I would not hit an animal. Right. I just don't have it in me. However, if a dog attacked Bean Bean, I would choke that animal out. Yeah. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. So like are there any exceptions that you would make in the in any of the list of things that you said that you, if any of those things that I just talked about were harming one of my children, I would put it down so quickly and not feel anything. An infant? If it was harming, if an infant jumped out of the bushes. It was hard. And it had a knife. Yeah. And it was like, hey, I'm going to swear. Gut your kid. Um, I would uh, swear. Can kick that infant right in its little baby. Swear? Just as hard as I could. Oh, okay. What about, is there ever a scenario where you would hit a woman? Um, Not recently. Yeah. Me neither. What's your thoughts on, you know, because we live in kind of a different age and, you know. I, I'm, I, I, let me, is there a scenario where I would hit a woman? Yeah. <clears throat> so you come up with some scenarios and I'll tell you if I would hit a woman or not. Okay. Woman, woman hits, not just like snack, you know, like a woman full blown attacks you. No, because I've had that happen. Didn't hit the woman. Okay. Woman comes at you with a weapon. Yes. Like a knife. Yes, I will hit a woman. Gun. At what 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 range? Uh twenty one feet. She's got a swear gun. Like, yeah. No, I'm probably gonna like find cover. Okay. You gotta good. close that gap. Three thirty eight Lapua. You gotta close the gap. Okay. She's a a mile away with a Lapua. I'm probably just <laughs> just gonna like <laughs> Go somewhere else and get something to eat. You know what? I agree with you on all counts. Uh, Thank you for answering my questions. By the way, you and I are the only ones listening to this 
conversation. No other authorities are currently listening. So, if somebody has a problem with the fact that I'm hit, I hit a woman to disarm her. If she's coming at me with a knife or like an axe or something, that's on you. That's not on me. But see, here's the problem with that is... I'd say kill her, but yeah, I'm going to smack her teeth how out. How many videos have you seen on YouTube where there's an there's an aggressor and the aggressor is aggressing somebody and they they mistake the the they mistake meekness for weakness yeah and then the aggressed goes off cold cocks the guy or or you know beats but then the audience around is like hey 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 you know because they either didn't see the whole story play out or they just don't like the underdog getting beat even if the underdog was the aggressor you know we live in a weird time you know you asked me uh, in one of the nine one one calls if I could beat up my wife yeah and I. Made a, I did a bit. I was like joking. I was like, yeah, but I would train for it, <laughs> and you know, I would exercise, and I, I wouldn't like, I would take it like a real fight, you know. Yeah, and then I would f- swears fuck her up. Right. Um, obviously, it was all a joke. I got a message after that a- episode dropped on Twitter, and it was like, <laughs> it said, "Good to know you would beat your wife." Yeah. Kent, good to know. What was it? Good to know Kent Chungus would beat his wife, and I was like, it was. Yeah, you, you you can't win with some people. Do I have to like? Was the bit where I was talking about I would lift weights and take jujitsu classes and everything to to fight my four foot ten, hundred and fifteen pound wife? I'm six foot, you know, pushing three hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, it was a joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. Yeah, I I still get a lot of comments from people saying, uh, I don't know where I must have done this, but I've had like two or three people message me and they're like, well, it was good to listen to you until you came out and admitted you're a racist. And And you do that to me all the time when we're not recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but on the mic, I've never done it. I've never admitted. And so I was like, I was like, where'd that come from? But yeah, it's kind of fun. All right, moving on. For today's call, we are headed to Slunny, Florida. We are winding back to the year 2015, a simpler time, a time when we all thought a drag strip was something that happens at the raceway. Did you say 2015? Mm-hmm. It was seven years ago. Yeah. Not even yeah. two presidencies. No. Has things changed that much? Well, I made a list, so okay. let's check it out. Okay. A simpler time. A time when we all thought a drag strip was something that happens at the raceway and not at your local library. Yeah. A time when you could be praised for working while sick instead of literally showing up and killing everyone <laughs> with your sickness. You yeah. Know. A time when everyone went to the office. A time when we could still tell the difference between a Snapchat filter and real life. That's true and that's scary. We, yeah. we, we are deep faked like crazy. When war with Russia seemed like the end of the world, a time when cars zoomed instead of meetings, and there were only three Tesla models on the road, and nobody really ever saw them, except in movies. A time where if you had drip, you better go to the doctor, but if you're sick, they may not let you out of your car. So today, you just shut down for like I, I, I got concerned. You literally went dead eyed for like a moment there. I thought you were having a stroke. My brain didn't do a carriage return. You literally, I watched you die for a second. 
your body slumped forward <laughs> and your eyes went dead. I I don't know what happened, so we're just going to move on. Today we're going to talk about a man named John. Yeah. On January 7th, 2015, around 9 a.m., John took his daughter's daughter, Phoebe, to a family lawyer named Genevieve Torres, and he took her to her office in Lutz, Florida. He showed up in a pajama pants and told Torres he wanted to file paperwork to get full custody of Phoebe. He then started talking in an unknown language and asked Torres to read a Swedish Bible, as you do. He also told her she was God and needed him to follow her to a church to be baptized. When she wouldn't go, he told her to stop the paperwork. I find this interesting. It's interesting how how much control he seemed to have over Torres, who was God, and also that apparently God does paperwork, and we can demand God to stop doing paperwork. I never knew any of that. Uh, When he left the office with Phoebe, Torres called... Can you guess? Uh, Rhymes with 911. Oh. Called 911. I was going to say Jack in the Box. (laughs) Are you ready? Would you like me to press play on this 911 call? Yes. Okay. This is Lawyer Torres. Right. Genevieve Torres calling 911 about John, who has left with his Swedish Bible and his daughter, Phoebe. Here we go. Hi. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Yes. Okay. I have a client that came in. It's a client of mine. He hired me yesterday. I'm a female attorney. He just came in, and then um, he started. He, right now, he's going to. He has a child with him, uh, his daughter. Um, he left my office. He came out there with a Bible and started talking to me and saying that I was the creator, I was God, and and then he wanted me to read the Bible to him. I said I can't. It's in Swedish, and then he started being really. I mean, he's out. He's nuts. What? Okay. And did he's he, going, he's just walking he out with a child. Huh? Did, he, did you say he assaulted you? No, 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 he didn't. But what I'm saying is he's out of his mind, and he has a minor child with him driving to a church now, and I should have kept the child. And and he was saying things like, um, I was supposed to file his paperwork today for, for, for a case. He's like, well, don't file the paperwork. It's not going to matter anymore. And then he wanted me to take him to the church, and then he wanted to leave the child here, and I should have kept the child, but now he's left with the child. Okay, did he make statements like he wanted to harm himself? No, but he he said anything saying that he um he said that uh, he 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 keeps saying that I was the I, he wanted me to he, he he keeps saying that I was God, and I keep saying I wasn't, and he said that he would need to go to the church to get baptized now, and that he, he not to file anything because things are not going to matter anymore. And he wanted to leave the child here, and then he didn't want to drive, and then he wanted to drive. So I don't know if he's on drugs. How long ago did he leave? He just five minutes ago. He's on his way to, huh? What is he driving? Oh, here's him. Did you see his car? He thinks a white, tiny car that kind of looks like a thing. Like a two-door car? It's a two-door, four-door. I I know he's on his way. I'm not close by the church. He's on his way. All right, stay on the phone I, I, I should have given the child. Okay. Describe. Do you know this person's name? Yeah. His name is... Is he white? He's, he's white. He's tall. He's gay. I mean, he's, he's, he's effeminate. So, um, he's... He, uh, his date of birth is... What was he wearing? What color shirt? What was he wearing? It wasn't his PJ. He was wearing a PJ. It, he was wearing what? His pajamas. What color yeah. pajamas? He had plaid, plaid pants, red and black, and a navy shirt. 
as a PT cruiser, that is called a white PT cruiser. He has a, a, a navy shirt. I think he has some sort of jacket over it, a backpack, because he has his black backpack. Black backpack? Um, it's a dog backpack, but he had this huge Bible in it. That was his daughter had what? How she was dressed? She has little. His daughter was in flip flop, little short, and a blue jacket. She's kind of blondish. Hang on, just a second. It was a white PT cruiser that they yeah. left in. Yeah. Okay, tell me. Go ahead. Tell me about the daughter. She's the a white daughter. Uh, the daughter's born, so she must have what five. She's five. She's got a kind of light hair, like not blonde, blonde, but again, dark blonde. And she was wearing little short flip flop and a blue kind of jacket thing. What color shorts? What color shorts? You know, I didn't really pay attention. They're short. I just know they were short shorts. Um, she should have been in okay. school. Um, well, how does she seem? Oh, she seemed okay. She seemed normal. Right? Okay. All right. Did he have any weapons? He didn't want to go. Did he have any weapon? Not that I saw. He's just, he, she, yeah, she was, she was a little hesitant, but she didn't know us, though. I, I just, I, I just regret not keeping her in the office and letting him go. It's okay. It's all right. You didn't do anything wrong. No. Okay, do you happen to have his home address? Yeah. The paperwork? Yeah. Um, he lives at, he lives with his parents. I think it's like a duplex type of thing. I think his parents are What kind of, can you, um, is it too confidential to tell me what kind, what the nature of the case was? It's a paternity case. He was going to court to, um, his, um, to, to establish his legal right, um, because they're not married. So he had a baby with a, with a woman and he's not married. So he was going to court to establish his legal right because he had custody of the child for the last couple of years, but there's nothing legally giving him custody. And it was the child that he was with? Yeah. What is her name? Do you know? Yeah. And the same last name? Yeah. But the statement that he was supposed to pay me more money today when he came, and he came in the statement to me that, I, that do you want to go forward and file your paperwork? And he says it's not going to matter anymore. It, it, it is going to matter. It's, it's no matter what, we're going to get baptized. It's still going to matter. It's still, you know, it does, that didn't make any sense. That really scared me. And after saying, I, he was trying to make me read the Bible in Swedish, saying that I knew how to speak Swedish because I'm the creator. And then I, you know, it's just, it was, he's, he's, he's out of his mind. No, if he shows up back here later this afternoon, should I just keep him in and call you guys? Try to keep him here. Well, if you think he's a danger to himself or the child, and if, yeah. if you feel comfortable doing that, sure, right. just give us a call as soon as you see him come in. But we're gonna... so he's, on his way. he's definitely on his way if you want to be there by 11. He said he was here at 9 o'clock, but I wasn't here at 9 o'clock. I was dropping off school, and then he left and then came back again. All right, ma'am. We're going to get some deputies. To, we'll, they'll probably come talk to you, and then they're going to sure. check out the, the church. Okay. okay? All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Uh, I got one thing. Yeah. Describe the suspect. White, tall, tall, gay. Gay. <laughs> yeah. And when she said that, I don't know why, but I knew he was in pajamas. I knew he was in PJs. Because <laughs> in my head, this is a stereotype that I carry, because I'm not perfect. Um, gay people do love pajamas. So, like, I just sleep in whatever... I put on after I got out of the shower, right into the basketball shorts and yeah. like an old Jason Voorhees shirt. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, I don't know why, but in my head, <clears throat> gay people 
they have like matching. They have like a lot of pajamas, mm. uh, like footy pajamas, um, and then like they have like clean that pajamas that smell good. I knew he was in pajamas. The 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 gentleman on Best in Show. I just loved the way they they. Do you ever see Best in Show? No, no, I haven't. The, the I know it's about, about dog, dog a dog show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, everybody gets a room in the hotel, and and these these two gentlemen they they have the most comfortable looking like kimonos and stuff on in the in the in the hotel, and they like tack up like zen tapestries on the walls and stuff and it's supposed to be silly but i looked at it and i was like oh i'd love to be in there <laughs> this is the, wanted, we're gonna like, call this the coming oh. out episode <laughs> i just want i right then i saw that and i was like oh what i'd give to be in a silk kimono in a room with fine tapestries tacked to the walls it just seemed so comfortable and I'd, i wonder how much a silk kimono how much does that cost oh, let's see gosh i uh, a genuine Amazon. silk kimono? Oh, yeah, probably. T- genuine easily silk. Over 30 bucks. How do you spell kimono? Okay. K I. I got it. M. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're looking at $200. Ugh. Yeah, but it's worth it. Is if it? If you could just. Yeah. You ever tried on. I would say. Uh, nylon basketball shorts? Yeah, it's it'd be the very similar feeling nylon basketballs. You know, just those swishy baskets. I love those too. Those are good times. So that's what time stood out to me was that she described him as gay. Like the the idea in my head that the police are now cruising. Like Is that guy look gay? No, no. Yeah, he looks like he could change change a transmission. Um. Um. Yeah. It, it 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 so so he showed up and he was there there for a while <laughs> and then he left after they were refused to refused to um uh, read the bible with him yeah i don't know what very exciting book don't know why you would want to sit down and listen <laughs> to that <laughs> especially you know during a work day in a law firm why wouldn't you just cozy up into a chair with a guy in with pajamas and read the swedish bible and read a read a swedish bible yeah, exactly. That's a, good, that's a good way to unwind. Around 11 a.m., John John Chuck right. drove with Phoebe to St. Paul Catholic Church. So this was his next step. Oh, hold on. So in my head, this was happening at nighttime. No. This, so is, this guy's in his PJs at 11 a.m. 9 a.m. is when he took his daughter to the family lawyer's office. And he's got a dog backpack. And probably a latte. I would want one if I were him at this time of morning. So he went to the St. Paul Catholic Church in Tampa, Florida, and he met with Father William Swengross and demanded he be baptized. Swengross said he couldn't do that because it takes more time to join and be baptized in the Catholic Church. So during this time, Torres was talking, as we heard, to the Hillsborough, Hillsborough County Sheriff's deputies, who then arrived at the church to talk to John John Chuck. Deputies decided at that time that John Chuck was not a danger to himself or Phoebe and let him go on with his day. Around 2 p.m., Torres heard from the deputies that they did not find any reason to take John Chuck into custody. Shortly after, John Chuck called the Torres, uh, called Torres nearly a dozen times in an hour, 
She then called the Department of Children and Families, Families Hotline. The person on the other end of the line at DCF told Torres that her worries did not rise to the level for them to accept a report. The hotline employee shelved the report around 3.25 p.m. Um, if you know that I've picked this for an episode, you know that this probably goes a little bit uh, off kilter. But here's a thought. Here's a question I have is, you know, this is one thing that this is where I kind of get conflicted is as far as pressures on the police department, you know, there's a lot of places, there's a lot of cities and states that are like, hey, we need to have more than just cops in uniforms going to to approach people that have mental illness. Um, but in this case, they did. And they were like, yeah, he's just uh, mentally ill. You know, nothing we can do about it. So no, you're not going to lock him up for being, you know, for having a mental illness. So they did, they did what, you know, everybody would want them to do and not make a deal out of a guy who's just mentally ill. It also was a little, and then it gets a little more disconcerting because the police knew that he had Phoebe with him, but still didn't do anything. Okay. And then in uh, immediately when I say that, I'm like, he has custody over his daughter, maybe not full custody, but he's got custody at the time. So legally, even if he's mentally ill, what can you do? What could you, you can't do anything. And DCF kind of came to the same conclusion. Yeah. Um, and I think that right there is a, is a good indicator of proper restraint, proper legal restraint when it comes to, I don't know, the service departments that we have to deal with. You know, nobody flew off the handle and went all emotional and, and went and tried to yank Phoebe away from this person, John, uh, even though emotionally we are all creeped out by what he's doing. I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like this, this was an example of restraint until <laughs> around 8 p.m. Phoebe's grandmother, whom she called Mima, went to John Chuck's father's home where he and Phoebe were staying. The grandmother tried to take Phoebe with her, but she wanted to stay with her dad. Hey, Kent, when is what is one of the things that you constantly pass by as you drive down the freeway near you? Trees. Ads. <sighs> <laughs> Gotta pay the bills. Okay, we're back. I'm so sorry for doing that. No, you're fucking back. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd you'd catch that one. I thought for sure. But see, I think I think that also goes to show how good of a storyteller I am because you were glued. You were glued to my story, right. and then I caught you. I got you. Mm. Got you. And this guy looks like a, a trout. Yeah, he looks like a trout. He's got he's got the big mouth with the and the corners of it up. They 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 they, tie, they run down, run down his face. Yeah, all the way down to his chest. Very jowly. Yes, down the corners of his mouth into his nipples. <laughs> And yeah. whenever he talks, I imagine he just makes noises like, Meh. he looks like a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a Beaker. Beaker. That's what he, he looks just <laughs> Yeah, he looks just like <laughs> Beeper. Beaker. <laughs> and the only thing that moves when he talks is his bottom lip and, and chin. Yeah. Meh. It's like, it's like hinged, hinged. Yeah. 
And he's wearing pajamas, so he probably looks even more like a trout because they're probably colorful. Okay. When we last left you, though, John John Chuck was struggling to get anyone to read his Swedish Bible. Around 11 a.m., John Chuck drove with Phoebe to St. Paul Catholic's church, met with Father Swengeros, would not get baptized because Father wouldn't let him. Then Torres, like a good civil servant, I don't know if she's a civil servant, if she's a lawyer. Is that a civil servant? I believe so. I don't know. She calls 911. That's that's pretty good. Um, then she calls DCF. They, sh- they shelve the report. No one seems to be taking things seriously. Phoebe wanted to stay with her dad. Grandma tries to take her. Won't, she doesn't want to go. Two hours later, John Chuck loaded Phoebe into his car. So now we're a little after midnight on January 8th. 2015, St. Petersburg police officer William Vickers saw John Chuck's car speeding south on Interstate 275 toward the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Vickers follows John Chuck through the toll booth and to the Dick Meisner Bridge, where John Chuck pulled over. John Chuck gets out of the car, unbuckles Phoebe, and drops her off the bridge into the Tampa Bay. Phoebe fell 62 feet into the cold water. How, how old was she? Phoebe was five. Oh, this is, this is fucking horrible. So he dropped her off the bridge. She's five years old. Oh, I don't want to finish this. John Chuck then speeds off toward Manatee County and is eventually arrested and charged with murder assault, and fleeing police. Around 1 a.m., Phoebe's body was found by Eckerd College search and rescue teams. Later that day, DCF calls for an investigation into how previous cases involving John Chuck and Phoebe were handled. The next day, January 9th, 2015, John Chuck was being held by police for a mental evaluation. No, no, really? During his first appearance in court, John Chuck denied the right to a public defender and said he wanted to leave it in the hands of God, quote, leave it in the hands of God, end quote. A judge told John Chuck that God would not be representing him in this case. John Chuck agreed to have representation so long as the lawyer was, quote, pure and good and not evil. End quote. Bold words from a man that just threw a five-year-old off a bridge? Exactly. I have the following interrogation audio that was recorded during John's stay in jail. Would you like me to play it? Yes. Oh, okay, here we go. I went looking for answers. I've always had problems growing up, like, wondering who I was and how and what my purpose was. And... Ever since yesterday and a couple days before, like what if problems? How do you think you're different? Well, um, it's like I don't know. Like I, when I went to the church uh, today. Church? Uh, St. Paul's Catholic Church, and I spoke to Father Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me that I wasn't going to be ready this Easter, but next Easter, and that I was the Pope. 
um, that uh, Francis or whatever is not um, is not like he's not the real pope. Yes. And uh, my grandma's name, and I do have Greek heritage, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, my grandma's maiden name is Vladimir. Um, and it's always been weird. And I've had people coming up to me recently and asking me what my name is. And I've only been able to say John um, prior to this, weeks prior to this. Like, and they would ask me what my last name is, and I would just say John. But you just physically couldn't say your last name, or it just John John Chuck, or he's it, just John. It was just John for some reason, and it's like I really had to kind of think about it mm -hmm. for a minute. Then that's just been going on this past week. Yeah. How about the island crew? You like working there? You said it's a Jamaican restaurant. I kind of felt uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. How so? I mean, it's a job. How do you know all this stuff? I mean, you told me when I was asking you what your name was and what your... You said that you worked at Island Crew mm -hmm. and that it was a Jamaican restaurant or it's like a cafe, is how you put it. Well, I did, but I felt like he was dishonest. Um, and Who's I'll, that? Uh, the owner, like he was... I don't know. No? He said you're... Was it the owner that was being dishonest? What made you think he was being dishonest? He was going to different restaurants mm -hmm. and he was going to different restaurants and working there to find out their main dishes and then putting it on his menu. Really? So you would go to different restaurants, find out what their I guess your signature dish or the main dish is on their menu and bring it back to your the restaurant that you worked at? Yes. I could see how that would be dishonest. Is Phoebe okay? Phoebe? Who's that? Phoebe was my daughter. Phoebe J. John Chuck. Is she okay? I don't know, John. I haven't heard. I've been here watching and talking over you or talking with you. Oh, gosh. That silence after he asks, was Phoebe okay? Um, that's that's a skill that I don't possess, like where police use silence to draw out a response. Oh, my gosh. That was deafening, though, that silence after that. Also, the like, realization the that uh, John John Chuck worked for Plankton uh, at the Chum Bucket. Yeah, yeah. Yes, his he, boss yeah, was he going out trying to SpongeBob get the Krabby Patty recipe. And this yeah. is basically. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that um, that he he's not in his right mind. No, um, is that that far you, out on a limb? Don't... I think you're still standing yeah. at the base of the tree. <laughs> okay, good. 
because uh, uh, you know, the, and we we find this very often, right? We people not in their right mind, they they don't always process information in the same manner as someone who might be in complete control of their faculties, and you know, timelines get weird. Uh, I remember we covered a case one time where a guy was fully, fully aware and had complete control of his faculties. And after he did what he did and he's on with 911, everything that came out of his mouth was like a haunting recollection and an awareness of how his future was going to be. But this guy, like he's talking about his job, you know, and his boss being dishonest and asking how Phoebe is. Trying to steal recipes. Like, yeah, nothing that's coming out seems to be seems to be in in step with uh it, with with a coherent person. So here here's where things get kind of interesting. February 10th. So the the uh so this all happened January 9th. Uh February 10th, 2015, John is found mentally incompetent <gasps> to stand trial. What? Yeah. A judge said two doctors assessed his mental health and determined him incompetent. Prosecutors then request the third evaluation. John uh, John was the, uh, let me make sure I got that right. Yeah. John again found incompetent on February 26th, so 16 days later, he then was sent to a mental health facility for treatment. February 23rd, 2016, almost a year to the date, for the third time, John is found incompetent to stand trial. 26-year-old John John Chuck had been receiving mental health treatment for the whole year at this point. So this case actually pushed some limits when it comes to a specific thing, and that is holding someone who's been deemed incompetent in the hopes that they'll regain competency. And this this was something I was like, this seems weird. Like, almost seems like that whole double jeopardy thing where if you're found guilty of a crime, you can't be retried for it, you know, because otherwise it would just go on forever. Uh, yeah, but it's also kind of like it. And <clears throat> just for the record, I also kind of feel like swear? this guy, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but like, if he was found incompetent to stand trial the first time, that means that he was probably incompetent during the trial, during the crime, which means that if he is suddenly made competent at some point in the future, it's almost irrelevant. Now, this is what this is. I had the same thought and I was like, isn't it just irrelevant? Why are they keep going for this? It's irrelevant. He was mentally incompetent at the time. So I, I dug into this a little bit and this is interesting. Um, usually when a criminal defendant is declared, quote, mentally incompetent, it is not the same as an insanity defense. So when a defendant pleads a defense of insanity, they're asking a jury to render a verdict that attributes liability to their mental condition. So when a defendant is declared incompetent, however, they never see a jury and can have their trials delayed until they become competent. competent. Okay. So, yeah, so there's a difference between insanity. So they're not saying that he was incompetent at the time of the crime. Not necessarily. Yeah, they were just saying he's currently incompetent to stand trial. Oh, okay. There's a loophole there. Okay. Yeah, and they weren't determining his sanity in any case with any of this. So incompetence, the declaration of incompetence, which some might say we 
<laughs> we fly under in this country. <laughs> Just kidding. That was a little constitution joke. Um, the declaration of incompetence kind of keeps you in a tide pool legally and you can be reevaluated ad nauseum during the months that you're in this tide pool to see if you come up as suddenly competent. Um, so, okay, so uh, so a person who's declared mentally incompetent, they don't escape liability or, or a trial. They merely are suffering a delay in being processed through the justice system. Usually a person deemed mentally incompetent, they'll be required to check in with the court or their custodian if they're like on bond. They'll have to check in every few weeks or months. Uh, they'll also need to notify the court when the individual regains competency. So there are professionals involved in this process. It's not just like you show up and they're like, how you feel? <laughs> you know, it's not on you. It's it's on somebody else to determine when competency, if and when re a co a competency has been regained. So... March 3rd, 2016, John Johnchuk is finally deemed competent to stand trial. August 27th, 2018, so over a year later, prosecutors say they won't seek the death penalty against John Johnchuk, John, John, John and his trial starts September 17th, 2018. His trial is postponed after his defense team filed a last-minute motion to exclude a crucial expert witness for the state, Dr. Emily Lazaro was expected to testify that John John Chuck wasn't insane. Uh, so they were trying to squash that. The defense said it wasn't. It, it wanted to call another doctor, Ryan Wagner, to rebut Lazaro's testimony. October 23rd, 2018, a judge ruled that the state will get a second chance to obtain the testimony of expert witnesses. Prosecutors would be allowed to re-question defense experts, and the defense team would get to re-question state experts Our regarding John judicial system is so fucked. That's so Isn't that stupid. amazing? It like, makes me mad. It's giving me a headache. Just... It's such a – like there's certain floodgates that can just shoot a, 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 a trial in a certain direction and they are fighting for this. They're fighting for this sanity, insanity plea. Fast forward to December 5th, 2018. Court documents were released that showed John Chuck saying that voices told him if Phoebe didn't die, everyone was going to hell. Uh and then the next month on November 29th, John John Chuck described some of the things he felt and experienced leading up to the night he dropped Phoebe into the Tampa Bay. He revealed these feelings to Lazaro, the psychiatrist chosen by the state to evaluate his mental state. Parts of the interview from October 27, 2017 and May 2018 were detailed in a deposition to Wagner. Quote, I still have bad dreams where I feel that she's laying there and I couldn't get her to wake up and she's really not in here, John, John Chuck said. Fast forward again, March 14th, 2019, John, John Chuck appears in court for the first time in years. He was in an orange jail suit and appeared much thinner than he was four years prior. A judge denied two motions by the defense. The first was about whether the term psychopath could be used during the trial. 
and the judge squashed that and uh, their 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 uh, rebuttal. And then Judge Chris Hellinger did not rule on the word, but said psychopathy is allowed. Um, the second motion was to prevent testimony about hypothermia being a cause in Phoebe's death, because this would, because this was in front of a jury, this would lend to the the prosecution's case by showing just immense suffering on the part of Phoebe, which they say would be. Uh, you know, unequally yoke the case. March 18th, 2019, four days later, John Chuck's murder trial began with the selection of a jury. And he was found guilty. It's about f- swears. And Tom. Let's listen. To, let's listen to the actual conviction. I have the conviction audio right here. Would you like me to press play? Yes. All right. Here we Four Go. years later. The matter of State of Florida versus John John Chuck, case number 15-00226-CF, murder in the first degree. We and the jury find as false as the defendant in this case. The defendant is guilty of murder in the first degree as charged. So say we all sign a negative one person in the jury. Do you want the jury at all? Yes, please. Okay. Jury number one, is this your verdict? Yes, ma'am. Jury number two, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number three, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number four, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number five, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number six, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number seven, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number eight, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number nine, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number ten, is this your verdict? Yes. Jury number eleven, is this your verdict? Yes. And jury number twelve, is this your verdict? Yes. Thank you, Megan. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish to thank you for your time and consideration of this case. I also wish to advise you of your very special privileges enjoyed by jurors. No juror can ever be required to talk about the discussions that occurred in the jury room, except by court order. For many centuries, our society has relied upon juries for consideration of difficult cases. We have recognized for hundreds of years that a jury's deliberations, discussions, and votes should remain in private there as long as they wish it. Therefore, the law gives you a unique privilege not to speak about your work. Although you are at liberty to speak with anyone about your deliberations, you are also at liberty to refuse to speak to anyone. A request to discuss either your verdict or your deliberations may come from those who are simply curious, from those who might seek to find fault with you, from the media, from the attorneys, or elsewhere. It will be up to you to decide whether to preserve your privacy as a juror. And with that said, I, I, there's no way I can, pre- I can express my appreciation for your service because there's no way to describe it. I've never had a trial this long since I've been here, and I've been here about 12 years as a judge. And if your, um, your attention and your effort um, were really something to watch. It's kind of affirming for me, and I think for many of us in the system, to know that people like you are willing to, you're volunteering, and you figure out how to get out of it pretty quick in that long procedure we went through. And I think you've done a really, really, regardless of what the verdict is, um, you've really done a great job of working really, really hard. And we all appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. outside the hearing room, Court John. Okay. Mr. John, John, do you want to come forward with your counsel, please, sir? Yeah. No, sir. Steve, right here. Any lawful cause? 
there is no lawful cause, we would ask the court um, to set a sentencing date to postpone sentencing. Um, there are some motions we would like an opportunity to file prior to sentencing. I you should be standing by him, not all your Judge, we'd be, um, there is something that we'd like to look into. I, we asked the court to set a sentencing date a week out. Okay. Well, if you give me something definitive, some reason, consider it, but I'm not hearing any reason. So I think I can hear everything you want to present now. Okay. Um, Mr. Johnson, it's an automatic life sentence. I'm sure you know that I'm your conviction, so I will adjudicate the guilty. And that is the end of John John Chuck. That has to haunt everybody that's involved. You know, well, here's something that I read. I would make the argument that that, you know, one of the people that probably know John John Chuck uh, better than anyone is is this little girl's mother, right? Cause she mm-hmm. uh, laid with him and I would assume there was a relationship and I mean, we don't know. I don't know if it was a one night stand or what, but I would say that she probably knows him pretty well. And her words to him were that she hopes he f- quote fucking rots in hell. Wow. Yeah. Makes you wonder how much of this is, uh, is, is a, is a facade, this act. Yeah. Of being crazy. Yeah. Um, Swear. This guy. <clears throat> Lock the yeah, key. He... Oh, throw away. The... Lock the key. Throw away throw the Throw away door. the guy. Throw away John John. Throw away the guy. Yeah. Oh. Took long enough. Four years. Four years. Makes you want to, you know, and, and I struggle with that because the emotional side of me is like, that's way too long to get justice for a little five-year-old girl who this was so cut and dry. But at the same time, that shows – I hate to say this. It shows the beauty of our legal system in that – Is that what it shows? Well, okay. Hear me out though because let's just say it's not a crazy guy throwing his five-year-old off the bridge. But it's another case, you know, where the guy's actually innocent. I'm, we're just hypotheticalizing here. But that kind of rigor into a case makes it uh, – makes makes this legal process worth it if he ends up being acquitted. Okay, but innocent people go to prison all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying – I mean this I think is an example of – I mean it could be obviously bureaucracy and you know the stuff. No, this is – Some more swears. Snake in the grass lawyers. That's what this is. Prolonging and delaying and and stopping – trying to stop the inedible. Inevi- it's also inedible. Uh, but the inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a wild world. Wild world we live in. Hey, how about a happy ending? Yeah, please. Okay. Here we go. I call this one I call this one Cop 2000. Cop 2000 here. Yeah, Cop 2000. Here we go. 911. Yeah, I don't know if I need like emergency emergency, but who do I talk to if somebody just walked off with all your laundry at the laundromat? Cop 2000. Thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. Cop 2000? (laughs) And she's like, okay. (laughs) How do you contact him? Is it smoke signals? 
It doesn't. They have to throw a big lot into the sky that just has two zero 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 on it. It's one of the shortest calls I've ever heard, but one of the most brilliant ones. It's just so that, bam. That operator is swearing <laughs> done. Cop two thousand. No, he just said the first thing that came to his mind, no matter how smart ass it was. It, yeah, uh, cop two thousand. <laughs> so amazing. He's a cyborg. We were going to call him RoboCop, but that was taken. <laughs> yeah, it's Cop 2000. Uh, it, was a, it was one of those knockoff movies they make every time they make a blockbuster, you know. They try to even make the covers look the same so that it tricks you. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. So grandma will buy the DVD, you know, and give it to their kid, their grandkid for a birthday. Um, all right. Well, I have to go because I'm doing something kind of weird. What? <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> So my kids, I don't know if you've heard my kids. You hot air ballooning, ballooning again? No, this I, I would say this is better. Noodling. Nope. I don't know if you. My kids kept coming. Yeah, a lot. In yeah, they're dressed the as. Studio. I think I saw a Harley Quinn. Uh, 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 yeah, a jester, not Harley Quinn because I don't want that. Yeah, noise. it wasn't like the you know. I didn't. It, but was, it was like, a but it looks very Harley Quinnish, but like PG Harley Quinn. Yeah, PG Harley Quinn, and then Bean Bean is a mouse ballerina mouse. Um, they are dressed up in their costumes because we're going to a trunk or treat at the funeral home. They've turned all of their hearses into trick or treat trunks, and you go around the parking lot and you get candy out of the trunk of a hearse. <laughs> trunks of hearses. So that's fun. It's <laughs> gonna be amazing. <laughs> So they're getting in the car, so I better go with them. I'll tell you one thing. A trunk or treat is a completely different thing on a porn set. <laughs> sometimes it's the fluffer. Sometimes it's the gaffer. Uh, anyway, they're getting in the car. I can hear the car running now, so that's an indicator that I should probably go. Okay. Bye. I love you so much. Yeah. I know. Okay. Bye. Hugs, everybody. Bye. <laughs>